In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, today's gospel passage is both lengthy and it's also well known. And there's a lot going on in it. So we can pick it apart from there. For one thing, the length of this gospel passage that's chosen for our liturgy speaks to the truth about parables, the reality of parables, the effect of parables, and the purpose behind parables. And then it goes on to show us, Matthew goes on to show us this specific parable of the sower and the lesson that Jesus is trying to provide for us through this parable. We should always have in the back of our minds, when we're hearing parables, studying parables, meditating on parables, that they're not just stories, they're not just sayings of Jesus, because a lot of people can tell stories and a lot of people have very nice sounding sayings. But with parables, there's something else Jesus is inviting us to, something deeper he's trying to get us to focus on. And we see that in the things that he's saying when the apostles ask him, why are you speaking in parables? Why go to the point of trying to make things sound a little bit more cryptic or poetic? And Jesus explains that it's for the sake of drawing the listener towards a deeper truth that you're not going to hear or see just by examining things on the surface. And the fruit of the study, the fruit of the meditation is worth it because it leads to a truth that not everyone is willing to open their hearts to, open their ears to, open their eyes to. And that's, who is this king of this kingdom that Jesus is trying to bring forth for us and call us to participate in? That's what the parables are for. They're always telling us some kind of deeper, transformative truth about who Christ is as the Messiah, as the king of this kingdom that he's initiated and called us to participate in, starting from now starting from our lives here on this earth. Speaking of our lives here on this earth, one thing that's common about all of us, about any healthy, functioning human being, is the desire to love others and to be loved, especially to be loved. How can we know that we're loved? How do we know that we're loved on a regular basis? With others, we have our senses to perceive that. People go out of their way to do acts of charity for us. People go out of their way to ask how we're doing. People go out of their way to be present for us. And those are just a few ways to know that we're loved. But how can we know that we're loved by God? That, is a, that question is a little bit harder to answer. It's a little bit harder to examine. And the answer is also a little bit harder to be satisfied with because it's not necessarily something we can see or hear or touch, especially if our hearts and minds remain closed and restricted to the way that the world thinks. How can we know that we're loved? I think this parable answers that question, especially if we're willing, like I said, to open our hearts and minds and see what does this have to say? What does this parable have to say about who Christ is and who we are in relationship to him? 
One thing that's unusual about this parable, and oftentimes there is something unusual about the parables, there's often a twist in the parables, and that's, again, oftentimes where the lesson lies. In this parable, this sower who's going out to sow throws these seeds, tosses these seeds, plants these seeds everywhere in ground that's not fertile and in ground that is fertile, on rocky ground, among thorns, and also in good soil. What kind of sower is this? You know, clearly, he doesn't seem from our eyes, from the world's eyes, to be an expert in agriculture. He's throwing seeds everywhere. He's not aiming for the healthy soil. Why would you throw seeds in thorns? Why would you throw seeds on rocky ground? Just for fun? Because you think fruits are going to grow from all those areas? Good questions to ask. A good observation to make. What, why is this sower acting so strange? <clears throat> Oftentimes, we can see that with God too. We can observe that with God too. We can attribute that same behavior to God. Why do these people have the, these things happening to them? Why is this certain situation unfolding over there? How is God treating this person that way and me this other way? Oftentimes, that's how we tend to think when we try to understand God from our lens. When the creation tries to understand the creator from a restricted point of view. Brothers and sisters, this action of sowing seeds everywhere is pointing us to the reality of God, sowing his grace everywhere, sowing his love everywhere, sowing his mercy and forgiveness everywhere, including all of creation as part of his providential plan for us as our Father, looking down upon us, caring for us even when we don't know and understand the ways in which he cares for us. Yes, God does sow his seeds of love and grace even to sinners, even to people who on purpose are distant from him. As, often of, as some of us have often heard, the sun shines on the evil and the good alike. So, God's love is infinite. God's love is immense. Again, especially when we choose on purpose to create a distance between us and him through our sins, through our ignorance, through our laziness, through our selfishness, then comes the question, how do we respond to that love? God's love is so infinite. God's love is so unconditional. How do we respond to it? What kind of surface do we become for the seeds that he plants? That is a great question to ask ourselves today, to meditate on today, not just as we're sitting here, but even as we leave, especially as we leave in the form, in the real form of dwelling places of God, walking tabernacles after, after we receive the Eucharist, after the ultimate seed has been planted, after the most transformative seed has been planted. What kind of dwelling places of God will we be? How receptive will we be to his will and to his word and to the example he lays out for us himself by taking on flesh and living among us and suffering among us? 
How do we respond to God's love? Any garden imagery in the Gospels and throughout Scripture for that fact should transport our minds back to the beginning, back to Genesis, back to Adam and Eve, where there was a garden and there was a mission and there was a relationship that was intended. And the mission was nurturing that relationship, enhancing that relationship, one party of the relationship becoming like the other. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Adam and Eve, the children of their father, becoming more like their father. That was the intended development of the relationship. That was the intended model. And how is that ruined? Through sin, through original sin, through creation, thinking it could become like God without God. That is the fatal error of the original sin. And in all of the sins that we commit, brothers and sisters, on a regular basis, there's some form of that original sin. There's some form of you and I wanting to become like God, wanting to have some kind of glory, wanting to have some kind of pleasure or satisfaction, but without God, without His will, without responding to the seed that He plants and fertilizes within our hearts. So what do we do? Again, how do we respond to God's love? How do we respond to these seeds that are being planted everywhere, to these countless opportunities to, to look at God's grace, observe it, and allow it to take root within our hearts? There's two words, to till and to guard. To till and to guard. If anyone is a careful observer of Genesis, that is the mission that is given to Adam when he is planted himself in the garden, not just as a human being, not just as the first man, but as a priest serving in a temple. I'm a priest, but you're also priests. There's a ministerial priesthood that the church teaches us of, and there's a common priesthood that the church teaches us about too. How do I respond to God's love? Fulfilling my duties as a person whose chief obligation in life is to protect the garden that God has planted me in, especially this garden, the walls of this garden, to not let any serpents within it to influence me to act against my father who loved me and has planted me in this world, in this broader garden, in this broader temple for the purpose of increasing in holiness, living and increasing in holiness. How do I respond to God's love? By tilling and guarding. A priest's chief obligation in life is to sacrifice, is to offer sacrifice. Some priests do it on an altar. Some priests can do it within their families, among their friends, with their husbands, with their wives, living patiently and sacrificially, no matter how hard it gets. That is how we respond to God's love, brothers and sisters, to till and to guard in this world against sin, against anything that would get in the way of choking the seeds that God plants within us for the purpose of blooming into something that's more beautiful than we can imagine, something that's bigger than just our individual selves. So brothers and sisters, when we look at today's gospel, don't just see it as another parable that Jesus tells us. See it as an avenue of truth, a glimpse into what God wants to tell us about his love and what he wants, how he wants us to respond to his love by looking at his son, 
by looking at the ultimate seed, like I mentioned, that he plants within our lives, the Eucharist, not just receiving it, but walking out of here and allowing it to take an effect, allowing it to become fruitful in our lives by thinking how Jesus thought, by loving how Jesus loved, by sacrificing how Jesus sacrificed, no matter who we're among, no matter how hard it gets. If we don't do that, we risk not bearing any fruit, and that's a fate that's worse than we can imagine within the world that we're living in today. Amen.